0: My opinion can be swayed for a top five mm-hmm. um you know but i i think three players in my mind are cemented and then the other two are kind of just depending on whose argument i listen to so i would say
1: So, he's a father, husband, co-founder of JAK Basketball, and a professional basketball player. Please welcome Kai Williams to the podcast. Thank you. I'm good so first question just to start it off uh, how did you get into playing basketball or when did you start
0: um, so I started probably around like the age of six or seven and um, my dad grew up playing basketball uh, he's from New York actually and um, he grew up playing basketball and we tried every single sport um, growing up as kids, but basketball was something that stuck. So just yeah, started at the age of six or seven and just kind of fell in love with it from there.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have an idea to what it might have been that made it stick or that caused it to be the sport that you started to play?
0: Um, I, yeah, I mean, like my, so I grew up, having my dad either coach me or watch him play as well in like senior men's leagues and different things like that so I think it was just something that was like pretty natural it wasn't anything that was ever forced you know Mm -hmm. um and we just we just always I mean my dad my brother and I have always had a bond when it comes to basketball so it's kind of just been something that's stuck within our family and it's just I don't know it hasn't really it's just, it's, yeah, it just—it's yeah—it was the most natural sport for us to play growing up, and we've—we've we've kind of just enjoyed it. We enjoy the team aspect of it, and I think that's one of the reasons why I still play it to this day.
1: Mm-hmm. And now you have
0: a daughter, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's your oh, Second
1: birthday coming up soon. So. Second birthday coming up now. It might be a little early on, but further in life, do you think you're going to, maybe not push her, but like encourage her to try basketball or see if that's something she'll become interested in as well?
0: Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, um, whatever she wants to go into, as long as it's anything positive, you know, obviously, as parents will support her. But I will say that my second birthday gift, one of my second birthday gifts to her is one of the little uh, little Fisher-Price basketball hoops. So I'm not saying i'm pushing it on her but i'm, I'm suggesting that she tries it out at mm-hmm. least a little
1: bit yeah so at what point did you start thinking of basketball and saying that like oh maybe this is something i could do at a higher level maybe like in the at the collegiate level or professionally what kind of what was the moment that you thought you could take this far into life
0: um i would probably say when i was uh going into my junior year of high school so uh going into my junior year of high school um my brother would have been going into his senior year and he's starting to get recruited by different um schools and stuff like that and i started gaining some interest as well and we kind of started learning more about basketball overseas and the different opportunities that it um that it presented itself with so i think I mean, it was always a dream of mine from a young age to play mm-hmm. you know, in the NCAA and play professional basketball. But probably, yeah, going into my junior year was when I started thinking like, you know, I'd have a shot at playing at university, yeah. playing at the university level, sorry.
1: So it can be on or off the court, personally, and uh, who do you think has helped inspire you the most in general or in the sense of basketball?
0: Um, I would say that it's definitely, it definitely has to be, you know, my parents and my brother, we, um, we grew up, uh, really close. Obviously my, my mom is actually British and my dad is American and they somehow settled in Regina, Saskatchewan. So, um, we didn't have any cousins or aunts and uncles that, you know, were close by. So growing up, it was just, obviously we had family, friends and whatnot, and we had people that we met through playing basketball in school. but in terms of our family, it was just us here. So um, over the course of the year, all their, over the course of the year, sorry, all the support kind of was a driving force. One for me to obviously keep on playing, but also pursuing the stream. So I'd say that it was just yeah, my family, my, you know, my older brother, and then my, then my parents as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now it doesn't have to be ranked or in any order, but do you kind of have like a, top three or top couple basketball players
0: of all time i think that i mean anytime i if i listen to anybody's arguments or anybody's opinions i think my my opinion can be swayed for a top five Mm -hmm. um you know but i i think three players in my mind are cemented in my top five and then the other two are kind of just depending on whose argument i listen to so i would say michael jordan kobe and lebron are cemented in my top five mm-hmm. but the other two could be you know depending on anybody's argument could be shaq one day kevin garnett yeah. tim duncan dirk Nowitzki. you know so it could kind of could sway back and forth but i think those three in mj kobe and uh lebron are, are solidified for me yeah
1: you always have an idea of what you think might be your top five and then you think of a new player or someone comes up with a new argument and you have to totally reset and rethink all the players all over again
0: yeah absolutely it's, it seems like anytime um, the Hall of Fame induction comes around you know you, you listen to people's arguments or maybe um, their accolades and the reason why they're in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. um, you know think of Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett they were just inducted this year and their careers are extremely impressive, and I watched a documentary on Tony Parker, and I kind of forgot about how impressive his basketball career has yeah. been. I mean, I wouldn't say he's in the top five, but I just just players like that, you know, you kind of overlook um, and you and you kind of forget exactly yeah. what they accomplished. That's over the, the years.
1: Tony Parker documentary on Netflix, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was actually yeah. really good. Have you seen it?
1: Yeah, I watched it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. So. You played basketball for college at South Dakota State University, right? Absolutely, yeah. So how did you decide on that being the school, not only that you went to, but also that you played basketball for?
0: Um, So I was uh, recruited in uh, my senior year by a few different schools. Um, South Dakota State being the closest, the other school was Eastern Kentucky. was a long ways away, and Rice University as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So it kind of came down to those three. Um, South Dakota State was the closest to home, but also I felt like it was the best opportunity opportunity for me to kind of improve and develop as a player. So all those other schools were great, but Mm -hmm. I just had a better feeling on my official visit when I went down there, and Mm -hmm. fortunately, I, I was able to get an athletic scholarship, so I was able to get a full ride, that's, yeah, that's where I spent
1: my mm-hmm. four four years down there. Yeah, so four years at South Dakota State. What kind of was that like? Were you playing just to have fun and play, or were you playing kind of to prove yourself and get to that professional level, whether it be overseas or in the NBA?
0: I think, I mean, I kind of did a little bit of both. Like, obviously, I basketball was... Um, Was Something that I wanted to pursue so I knew that you know going to a division one school was going to probably Help open some doors up for me if I wanted to play professional basketball after that, but um, I definitely wanted to um, I always say that I always wanted to prove people right Um, You know, I never really bothered myself with people that You know said any negative things about me or trying to prove anybody wrong. I just knew I had Unconditional support from my family and friends back home, and mm-hmm. they believed in me. So, I wanted to always make sure that I was proving them right yeah. every time I stepped on the court and, um, and just trying to make the most of it. You know, it was always a, a childhood dream to to play in the NCAA and things like that. So, I was just really just making sure that I was enjoying the moments and uh, making the most of my opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you've played. All over the world playing basketball professionally um, do you have a league that's kind of been your favorite to play in or that you think you had the best experience in
0: um, yeah so I would it's kind of there's I guess there's probably if I broke it up into into different areas like I enjoyed playing basketball the most in France like style of play mm-hmm. the coaching and stuff like that. I've had great coaches everywhere I've been, but I, I probably enjoyed the actual basketball aspect the most in France. And then um, in terms of life and like living and teammates and stuff like that, I, uh, I really enjoyed playing in England. I've had some great teammates and I've actually been able to um, play with my brother on a few of our professional teams overseas as well. So probably like yeah, lifestyle and teammates would be England, but uh basketball and style of play would be France for sure.
1: hmm So playing with your brother on the same team, what was that like? And obviously you're on the same team, but was there ever a bit of like friendly competition between your two or trying to see who was the better player?
0: Uh so yeah, like I mean, um we played together in high school and then didn't uh we went to separate universities, so Being able to play together overseas um, was a lot of fun. I wouldn't say there was any competition when we were on the same team or anything like that. Obviously, we'd compete in practice or shooting drills and stuff like that. But uh, there was a few times where we played against each other, um, played against each other when we were on opposing teams. And and there was probably a a little bit more trash talking and a little bit more uh, competitiveness going on in those games.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um of... Back to playing all over the world um, of the leagues you've played in, is there one league you think was the most competitive or like had the highest level of play
0: in it? Yeah, so um I would definitely say France or Sweden was probably the mm-hmm. most competitive um, yeah, it was the most competitive so um in France just french French basketball is very good, you know you think about how how well they do it. World Championships and Olympics and stuff like that, so they 're um, a very good country for basketball so uh, that was that was an impressive league and a lot of fun to play in and then Sweden actually uh, was really good as well you know the the style of play there the team 's budgets and the type of players that they had and the caliber of their coaches was really high so i 'd say uh, those those two would definitely be the top
1: mhm and these leagues you 've played in Canada, like you said, France, Sweden, other places. Of all the leagues you've played in, has there ever been kind of like a language barrier that you kind of struggled with to understand or speak with the people who
0: live there? Um, yeah. So uh, in Sweden, in Sweden, it was actually really easy because uh, their education system, kids learn English from an early from an early age. So I remember uh, coaching at like a little. Basketball camp that our team ran and um, being able to speak perfect English with like seven-year-olds. So that was no problem in terms of that. But in France um, my first year uh, It was really tough. I was in a smaller city and you know, like a, almost like a village type town mm-hmm. and um, Yeah outside of really my teammates. I didn't speak. I didn't speak English to anybody like even going to the grocery store nobody spoke English um, And even some of my teammates, some of their English was so bad that my conversations were really limited with them throughout the course of the year so. And that was my first season overseas was in France. So it was a big adjustment, kind of going all the way. And um, and basically, yeah, kind of feeling, feeling a little bit isolated at times because if I wasn't in the gym with my teammates, I really was basically by myself because of the language barrier. So that was pretty tough. Yeah.
1: And that, that barrier between you and some of your teammates And what were kind of the struggles with that on the court and how did you overcome those?
0: Um, I guess I guess the main thing was probably just like like staying a little bit persistent when it came to it. So towards the end of the year um, towards the end of the year basketball terminology was uh, Was fairly easy to speak in terms of like Mm -hmm. uh, switching screens and talking and stuff on the court Mm -hmm. so that got a little bit um, we got a little bit more comfortable with that. So I guess the only thing was just kind of staying persistent with it. And over time, it just got a little bit easier.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so your daughter, uh, almost two, when uh, when she was born, where were you playing basketball at that time?
0: Um, So she was born in uh, England. And I was playing with uh, the Newcastle Eagles, so in the northeast of mm-hmm. England. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, did you kind of were you playing like in the time around when she was born, or did he kind of take some time off to have that moment with your newborn kid?
0: So uh, it's we're actually really fortunate. Her birthday, uh, her birthday fell on June first, so we were. We had probably um, finished up our season three weeks before that. Mm-hmm. So I had the whole um, summer in the UK to kind of just um, obviously prepare for the upcoming season, but also um, have time to just uh, be at home with her and my wife as well. So, mm-hmm. it, so the timing came perfect. It didn't fall in the middle of the season or at the beginning of the season. It was yeah. right at the start of off season, so it was perfect timing for us.
1: And your family, do they travel with you as well as you move from league to league?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my my wife, we've been together for um, seven years, or eight years, sorry, going to be married for three coming up here. So she's traveled with me throughout the course of my career in different cities in the UK and also was living with me in Sweden. And, then, um, and they've come back to Canada as well uh, for the summer. So yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. so playing overseas do you see yourself kind of continuing to play in in different leagues across the world or do you hope that one day you can get into like for example the NBA or one of these like top-tier leagues that kind of have more eyes on them than some of the uh, foreign leagues
0: you know I I would say if you were to ask me that question probably ten years ago when I only in my first or second year you know i guess the aim would definitely be to get back over to uh to the nba or maybe some bigger leagues overseas and um i i think i'm towards the end of my career now so in terms of the nba i believe that would be a little bit out of reach for where Mm -hmm. the point i'm at when i'm sorry the point i'm at in my career Um, i i actually really enjoy playing in the canadian elite basketball league so CEBL. Yeah. So, I think this will be a league that I'm trying to pursue for the next couple of years. Um, yeah, so I don't know, I, I really enjoy where my career is at, and um, I'm mm-hmm. not too sure where my basketball career is going to take me over the next couple of years, what countries or anything like that, but I'm, I'm open to any and every opportunity mm-hmm. for sure.
1: And um, these leagues, kind of across the world, having much smaller audiences than leagues like the NBA or the G League, why do you think that is? And do you think that it's fair that they have a smaller audience?
0: Um, yeah, I think, I think some of it has to kind of go with uh, culture and the sports culture within whatever country you go to. Um, obviously, there's certain countries overseas that are really, really into basketball, you know, whether it be Italy, France, Spain, Greece, um, yeah, countries like that there they have really good fan support. Um, But I do think that it's growing in many different countries, you know, in the UK. um, I remember my first year overseas, you know, the crowds were a little bit smaller. But then we fast forward to this past season. And you know, um, even though there's even though COVID has had an impact, there's many different teams that have their own facilities that can hold, you know, 2,500 to 3,500 people and some up to 6,000. And I know that's not the, you know, the 20,000 or the 18,000, that would be at an NBA game. But for a country that um, hasn't seen basketball for as long as, you know, North America, I think Mm -hmm. England and certain countries like that are definitely on the right path to really growing the game and, you know, the the sport being in high demand. Mm
1: And playing through this pandemic over the past year or year and a half or however long, how has that affected leagues overseas and what has your experience been with that?
0: Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, it's had obviously a big effect on teams' budgets and how they may be how uh, they recruit players and things like that but i think a lot of teams and a lot of leagues have handled it really well you know they've done uh, they've kind of forced to uh, improve their online platform with streaming games and content and things like that um but i know as like a player it's been it's probably been uh for most guys i would say it's been a little bit weird i wouldn't say it's been difficult because i don't think uh that's probably the word to use in terms of difficult you know playing basketball for a living but mm-hmm just been very different, Uh, it's taken a little bit of adjusting, you know, um, getting used to playing in front of empty, you know, next to nobody or just support staff and other teams. So uh, I would say it's challenging and been different, but I think it's forced um, players to maybe adapt their approach to basketball on and off the court, and also help teams to kind of grow in other aspects that they maybe needed to improve in as well.
1: And, um, I've forgotten what I was going to (laughs) say (laughs) now. All Uh, right. All right. I guess we'll, yes. Um, so playing through a pandemic, I'm sure that may have been weird or unusual. How has like a connection with teammates or being as part of a team helped you get through that?
0: yeah i would say that that's probably been the one i bet saving grace for most people i know i can only obviously speak for myself but uh, when you're gone and you're away from home and your friends and family and stuff like that and being able to interact with guys on a daily basis weekly basis you know on those road trips i think those are those are probably even more valuable um i know that i always enjoyed obviously practicing the games but also the road trips and on the bus with the guys so um, not being able to have any type of social out- outlet outside of basketball. I think uh, guys really thrive in those situations and it's definitely made the time overseas and, and during, especially during this pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. much easier.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you did get the chance to enter the NBA and you got to have the choice of any of the 30 teams to join, do you have an idea of what team
0: that might be? Oh, Um, well, given that I'm Canadian, I guess I would say the Toronto Raptors would have, I'll give you two for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Toronto Raptors would be one team that I would want to play for. And since my dad is from New York, I think playing for, um, the Knicks or the Nets would be pretty special. That'd be pretty Mm -hmm.
1: cool. Well, the Knicks are definitely one of the more well-known or beloved franchises in the NBA's history. So
0: yeah, for sure. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So you're the co-founder of JAK Basketball, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So why don't you kind of describe or tell us more about
0: what that is? Yeah, so it's um, just a skills development company that my brother and I started a few years ago. We actually started it with a friend of ours. So my brother's name is Jamal. Our friend, was, his name was Antoine and obviously my name's Kai. So we called it Jack Basketball um antoine moved away a few years ago to pursue other career opportunities in the states so um we stuck with the name and then um we've just been doing um small smaller group uh, workouts and skill sessions over the past seven years so it's just been something that's evolved over time um we're gonna be uh doing some three-on-three leagues and some conditioning programs and we have some pretty cool partnerships that we've developed over the years so kind of just mm-hmm. um, going forward we're just going to try and grow it from you know just small workouts into maybe leagues and teams and other things like that so it's uh it's been a lot of fun to to be part of that
1: mm-hmm. and what kind of what's your demographic in that or what kind is the typical age of someone who might be a part of that
0: so we basically work with um anybody between the ages of like um, eight to, to 18. My brother is the assistant coach of the men's university basketball team here. So mm-hmm. we do some stuff with the university team as well. So basically anybody between the age of eight to 18 is like our main, uh, probably mm, 85 to 90% of our clientele that we work with and that's uh, guys and girls. And then we do work with some um, university athletes as well hmm
1: and so uh having uh, jack basketball and doing these kind of workouts with these young players helping develop them have you ever thought about like af- maybe after you're playing doing something like training or coaching for other players or teams
0: yeah absolutely I think um, um, it's definitely something that's going to be that I'm interested in and Probably a natural progression for myself when I'm done playing. Um, yeah, if if an opportunity arises for me to uh, continue on coaching people and uh, and maybe coaching teams and stuff like that, that's definitely an opportunity that I would jump at. I would like to stay as close to the game of basketball um, when I'm done playing for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, and those are all the questions I had for you today thank you so much for coming on where can people find you online social media jack basketball uh, whatever team or league you're playing for now all of that where can they find you
0: okay yeah so um I don't, I don't use Twitter or anything like that I'm, uh, I just use a little bit of Instagram so they can find me on Instagram Williams 23 and then our um, business page is jackjak.basketball. On Instagram as well so we're on Facebook and Instagram with Jack and then the team that I'm playing for this upcoming summer is the Saskatchewan Rattlers and they're on Instagram as well they have a lot of cool content uh, and different things like that so I suggest people give them a follow if they're interested in Canadian basketball
1: mm-hmm all right well thank you so much for coming on and good luck in this upcoming season
0: awesome thank you so much for having me